you have huge ambitions and big dreams, but are worried that you will never reach them due to ADHD holding you back. We are here to tell you, show you and prove to you that you can and you will reach your goals, despite all of the challenges we ADHDers face. Understand your brain, crush your symptoms, hyper-focus on your goals and leverage your unique strengths so you can enjoy your life, feel better and finally live up to your true potential. Welcome to the ADHDers Podcast. What's up everyone? Hope you're all doing great. This is Amin, the ADH doer, here with you, and we're with Andrew, who is a high-performance coach, and he is also an ADH doer, and he's going to talk about what he knows and about his experience with ADHD as a, uh, a high-performance coach uh, with ADHD. So, Andrew, welcome, and thank you for joining us, man. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm so glad to be here. We were trying to do this interview like a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> problem, so I'm glad to, uh, to finally be here to talk with you, friend. Yeah. So, Andrew, uh, why don't you talk about yourself a little bit and about what you do, uh, just so we can, so they can know, get to know you a little bit more. Sure, sure. So I, uh, I started out as a personal trainer. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science. I'm a certified strength and conditioning coach. And for many, many years, I was a strength coach and a personal trainer. And eventually, I moved online to become an online fitness coach. And then after a couple years of doing that, I transitioned into performance coaching. And performance coaching, at least in the way that I describe it, is kind of like a combination of business coaching and life coaching. So I work mostly with online entrepreneurs, people who are service providers, so coaches, consultants, um, life coaches, fitness coaches, relationship coaches. And what I do is I help them connect their value structure and their goals with their business. So I like to put it this way. A lot of business coaches out there who are telling online coaches how to make money, they focus a lot on strategies and tactics. So they're telling you, how to build funnels, how to do, you know, have, here's a sales script that works really well. And here's how to use click funnels. And here's how to get phone calls scheduled every day. And that's great. But a lot of newer entrepreneurs and people who are struggling to get their business to that next level, they shouldn't be focusing on strategies and tactics. A lot of them are having problems with the foundations in their business. And the truth is, I'm sure you know, as well as any of us mm-hmm. who are entrepreneurs is that when you are an entrepreneur, you're the only person in your business. So the things like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So the things like your mindset and your personal beliefs and your values and the relationships you're having, those have just as much of an effect on your business as the strategies do. And no matter how many good strategies you have or how many sales scripts or funnels you have, you're not going to increase your business. You're not going to make more sales if your foundations aren't taken care of. So my program focuses on helping people optimize their performance as entrepreneurs by focusing on the foundations first, which are mostly mindset and clarity about what you're offering for people. Yeah. So basically you're, you're saying that, um, I mean, in order to get started though, uh, most people have, and I certainly did, uh, the, the first problem that, that occurs is that you can't just take action to, to start. You can't even start making this funnel and sales thing and you know, all of these things. It's, You know, I mean, I don't know what happens there, but you're not trained. You're not a trained doer. Yeah. Yeah. Put put it this way. When I hired my first business coach, it was $7,000. I borrowed money from my dad and I went into credit card debt to hire this guy. And he taught me so much about building an online business. He's, He's really focused on systems. And he taught me how to get phone calls. And I needed phone calls to make sales. But the problem was when I was actually on the phone call trying to get the sale, I wasn't confident because I didn't believe in myself. I had low self-esteem. I had a negative mindset. I was scarcity minded. I had money problems. And I wasn't, I wasn't actually confident that my online coaching was good enough to charge what I was charging. Yes. So I could have gone on and read as many books as I wanted, watched as many webinars as I wanted, kept hiring business coaches, but the strategies weren't the problem. The problem was my foundation, which was my mindset and having clarity about my offer. 
And it wasn't until a year later when I hired my next business coach that he actually discovered like, dude, you're sabotaging yourself. Like it's all in your head. And like the first thing you need to do is write down on paper what you actually value and what you want your program to do for people. And until you have clarity about that, it doesn't matter how many phone calls you're getting or how many funnels you have. Like, like you need to take care of the basics first. So that's what my program does. A lot of the people I work with are people who have bought courses or hired coaches before, but haven't gotten results because those, those coaches and courses didn't address the foundational problems first. Yeah, I see. Um, so did you, where, where did you learn about this? Like, was it like with this coach or, I mean, was this something you've had since you were a kid or like you were interested about since you were a kid or, or was there like a process of, of figuring, of discovering what you like or discovering what you don't like, you know, of, you know, taking action and then being like, oh man, no, I don't like this. And then taking action until you found the sweet spot. It's uh, are you asking like how I ended up becoming a performance coach? Yes. How did you get where, 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 I mean, for example, let's just say someone is, uh, you know, wants to become a performance coach. What is, what would they need? Where, where could they learn? First of all, where would they start? Yeah, I got you. Well, <laughs> my personal story is a long convoluted story. I want you to talk about this story about, you know, <laughs> okay. as a kid. You, you know, know I, this is probably really valuable since you were a kid because a lot of people probably have stories similar to mine. So I'll, I'll yes. go through. I'll give you the summarized version. So ever since I was a little kid, um, what I wanted to do was be a soldier. Like every year for Halloween, I was an army man. I, I constantly played army with my friends. I played the army video games. Um, when I was in high school, I played airsoft and I, I had all these tactical uniforms and these, these fancy airsoft guns. I was obsessed with the military. And so in high school, I decided if I'm going to join the army, I might as well do it the best way that I possibly can. And I decided that I wanted to go to West Point, which in the United States, um, it is the official United States Military Academy. It's a really, really, really old school. And they train mm -hmm. military officers there. You get a bachelor's degree. And when you graduate, you become a second lieutenant in the army. It's really prestigious. And only about like 9% of the people who apply get in every year. So I spent my entire high school preparing for this. I became class president, student council president, national honor society, tennis team captain. I started doing all these fitness programs. I did everything I possibly could. You hyper-focused on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I was obsessed with it. It was all I cared about. The first year I applied, I, I got rejected. And so, but I did get a scholarship to the Army ROTC at a local university. So I went there for a year. And that's just like a lower level training program. It does the same thing, but it's not as prestigious. So I became the number one cadet in the battalion at that school in the ROTC. I did everything I possibly could to, to bolster my resume. I got a nomination from a senator, a congressman, and a um, lieutenant colonel. And I applied a second time and I got in. Mm -hmm. When I got to West Point, however, um, I only stayed for 18 days because I hated it. I had spent seven years working to get into the academy and I had, I had put it on this pedestal and all of those years it consumed me and I gave it these unrealistic ideals and I got there and realized it wasn't as great as I thought it was. The people there weren't who I thought they were going to be. The classrooms didn't look how I thought they were going to look and I was like 800 miles away from my girlfriend who I started dating in high school. And if you're at the U.S. Military Academy, you only get to see your family three times a year. And basically, all of these cold, hard, ugly truths hit me at once. And on the second night that I was there during the boot camp, I had like a mild panic attack at like two in the morning. And um, I started getting really sick while I was there. And I had to go to the clinic. And I spent like three days in the clinic. And um, after a few weeks, I decided to leave. And it was just the most chaotic, confusing anxious, depressing period of my life. I eventually left and I came back home. I had no idea what to do. I mm -hmm. thought about going back into the ROTC to just pick up where I left off. But when I tried that, I realized I was banned from army officer training because I went to West Point and quit. 
I made some generals really angry, so they, they submitted a form, and I'm no longer allowed to be an officer. Why? What, what did you? <laughs> wait, wait. What did you do? Why? Yeah. Why did you make them angry? How? Uh, well, because to go to West Point is a privilege. I mean, like I said, only nine percent of people who apply get accepted, and so there was probably two thousand other kids across the U.S. who would have taken my spot and actually done something with oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that. so I wasted the government's time and resources, and I don't blame them for what they did because what I did was, I was really confused. And, you know, I, I wasted a lot of my time and a lot of their time. And so, so for like a year, I went back to college. I didn't know what to study. Uh, I had no idea where I was going in life. And um, eventually, after changing my major like four times, I landed on exercise science because the one thing that the army had showed me was that I really love fitness. And um, training for the fitness test was like my favorite part of of applying to the school. So I became a personal trainer. I studied exercise science. I eventually became a CSCS, which is a certified strength coach. It's like the most prestigious personal training thing in the U.S. at least in, ter in terms mm -hmm. of how that goes. And so I spent a lot of time as a personal trainer. I worked at four different gyms and being a trainer, I think is what showed me that I have a passion for helping people and teaching people. Um, I love taking someone who has never been in a gym before and showing them what all of the machines do and explaining the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments and explaining calories and nutrition. It's, it's awesome being able to give that to someone because it's truly, it's a gift when yeah. you understand health and fitness. So I did that for a while. Um, I had my first kid, got married, and personal training just wasn't paying the bills anymore. And I had lots of bad managers who just weren't running their gyms the best way, and they weren't listening to me, and they weren't taking care of the clients. So I quit and started my own company, Warner Fitness. And for a while, I was just training people in my basement. Um, behind my webcam, my office is in my basement. And behind my webcam, I have a studio down here. And mm -hmm. I had people come to my house, and I'd train them in my studio. And um, did that for a while. Then I moved online to increase my client base and charge more. And that took a while to figure out. And I went into debt a couple times. At one point, I was $18,000 in credit card debt. 18, what, what did you spend your money on? Business coaches. <laughs> <laughs> I spent it mostly on business coaches and um, expensive stuff with my website. That ended up being a waste of time. I had to change my business name twice and change my website like five times. It was a mess. Like I said, my foundations weren't right. My, my yeah. mindset wasn't positive. I had really, I had issues with money. I was, I was doing everything like a poor person because I never believed that I would be you know, wealthy or successful. Yeah, and I was focused on the website. I was focused on the funnels. I was focused on the strategies. But the truth is I wasn't confident. I didn't like myself. And I didn't actually believe that I could be successful. So none of it, none of it worked. And it took me years to get through that. Mm -hmm. But uh, eventually I figured it out. I became connected with a lot of other fitness coaches and life coaches. And they started asking me advice about their websites and their funnels and asking me for advice about sales. And I realized I really like teaching this too. In fact, I like teaching this more than I like teaching meal plans and exercise. So I decided to, to transition. And um, just over a year ago, I started doing the performance coaching, business coaching, and um, it's been a blast because there's a lot of other coaches out there and consultants and people who are providing services for people who have great strategies. They have great skills, great ideas. They can really help people fix very specific problems. They're doing amazing things, yeah. but they just don't believe in themselves or they're just not 100% confident in their offer or they don't quite understand their niche. And so if I can just teach them those little things and, and walk them through that process and, and give them the confidence, then clients start coming to them and they yeah. start selling effortlessly because they're, they're in congruence with their values and their business. You know, everything's lined up. Yeah. So that's how I got I, here. <laughs> you talk about this, uh, this uh, not understanding the niche thing. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's mind blowing how much people you know, don't, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought that everyone in business, I mean, obviously understands the ins and the outs of it. But yeah. not, right now, as I'm growing up and I, as I have like more experience in this, I can see that most people don't even understand what their value <clears throat> proposition is. And yeah. this hurts people from, from you know, scaling and, and growing. 
And I still deal with this problem too, uh, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm indecisive sometimes. And, and sometimes if I want to focus on something, I got to put, for example, I'm going, I'm going to focus on people who have ADHD and are entrepreneurs only, you know, <laughs> let's just put this as an example. Yeah. The next day I'm going to, I'm going to say, no, no, no. I'm going to focus on all the people who have ADHD. They need the knowledge that I, that I, that I have to, you know, that I could, uh, uh, procure them with. And then the next day it's another decision and it keeps changing. It's a, it's a problem that, that I deal with it. But what I've been able to do is I, I wrote it in, in, in like several pieces of paper and, and I should see it every time, you know? So for example, whenever I, I just forget, I try to take an, a new or make a new decision. I just look at those papers and, and be like, no, no, let's just, let's just do this first and, 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 and give these people value as much value as possible and see to which extent it could grow. And then maybe I could, <laughs> I could do something else. But this thing, this not understanding your niche is a, is a really important problem and it causes yeah. lack of clarity and lack of crises. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, every single new entrepreneur, especially someone who's a service provider, the niche is so important. And I think the reason a lot of newbies, they go niche hopping is, is because they're scared of losing out. It's that scarcity. Missing out. Yeah. If you pick like a really specific niche, like entrepreneurs with ADHD, that's very specific, but it's still a huge audience. I mean, I, I would venture to say there's probably tens of thousands of people in that niche. No, but not. part of you, the part of your brain, the reptile brain that, that is still based on fear and past experiences, it's going to be telling you, well, well, what if there's an entrepreneur who doesn't have ADHD, but maybe he has anxiety, I could still help him too. I should loosen up my niche a little bit to make sure I don't miss out on him. And then you do the same thing for people with this condition and the people who fit this criteria. And before you know well, it, you're Yeah, what if it's someone who has ADHD and is a doctor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What if, <laughs> you know, you take some, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something I dealt with in the first months of, of starting ADHD doers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, were you going to continue something to the story or, or, or uh, that was it? I was just going to say like, if you're still struggling with your niche, I think the most important thing is getting proof of concept. So if you can choose a niche that you feel relatively good about and you're certain that it exists and you've researched it a little bit and you know you can help these people, the most important thing for you to do like right away is to just get proof that this niche exists and that it works, which yeah. means finding people who are in that niche, bringing them into your program, and delivering them the promised result. Mm -hmm. If you can do that for like three to four people, then you have proof that your yes. niche is valid and that it works and that you can get results and you can make money. And for a lot of people, that's all they were missing. Once they have that proof, they feel secure and they can go forward with it. Exactly. The problem is a lot of people, they're like thinking so much, but they never actually get to testing what they pick. And that's what causes those cycles and that, you know, that repeating behavior. Yes. It's a, it's, it's a, it's really a lack of taking action. So, um, I was uh, going to ask you when you talked about coaching. So I, I, when you talked about, uh, the fitness coaching, I was going to ask you about, this is an, an unrelated question, by the way, sure. <laughs> people you coach, how, how good are people in be staying consistent with the program usually, uh, for like an online fitness program? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of tough. Um, it can be pretty tough with some people. Really? The thing, the thing about in-person personal training, in-person fitness coaching is the coach is there. If you don't show up, you get charged for a session that you didn't use. The other person's waiting for you. Like he's there with you, walking you through it. When you have an online trainer, it's completely different because you have that anonymity. Like you can hide behind your screen and not do your workouts. You could even say you did it and not do it. And the trainer might not know. So when you're an online fitness coach, keeping your people accountable is really tough. And that was definitely one of the big things that I struggled with. But it just comes down to communication. And, especially, um, especially, I think, with your ADHD. I mean, to keep track yeah. of, of these people, 
not doing their thing or, or, or I mean, doing it, it's, it's, it, it must be hard because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's stressful to think about other people and what they, and whether they did something or not, right? Yeah, yeah. What I did most of the time was I had a running list of all of my clients and every day at nine in the morning, I would sit down and I would message each of them and just ask them how yesterday's workout went. Well done, man. Some of them would schedule a call and talk about it. Some of them would say it went great. I feel good. You know, my legs are sore. And then other people would ghost me and not say anything. (laughs) And every time they would ghost me, I'd write a little check mark. And if they kept ghosting me for a period of time, I would call them and get them on the phone and be like, Hey man, it's been three days. Like what's going on? And that was, that was the best thing I did as a coach was the accountability because if you just let them go, they're going to drift off. They're not going to get results. They're going to get unfocused and you're going to stop getting paid. And, but and getting I, them on the phone when they're having a moment of weakness, that was the key. Exactly. Because and, and I could bit, through what they were struggling with. Yeah. Yes. And your reputation at the same time gets hurt. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's super important. Well, you, you've done your job and they didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so do you think... Everyone can perform uh, at, at their peak, like all year long or not? I mean, is it, is it a state that you can manage to, to stay in during a whole year, for example, or, or several years while being very efficient? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> uh, I, I think there are a couple people out there who, you know, I don't know what you'd want to call them, maybe enlightened or people who have found their way, but I think it, it, the process of getting to a point where you understand yourself enough and you have enough self-awareness to know when you need rest and to be able to identify what's going on in your mind, identify what's going on in your body, where you have good enough routines that you can be consistent throughout the year, to get to that point probably takes decades for the people who get there. And I, don't, I think most people never get there. But I know that for me, myself, Um, I can perform at my peak about 70% of the time, 60 sometimes, Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I've gotten to a point in my life where I don't expect that anymore. I don't expect 100% perfection. And I've come to a place where I'm okay with letting myself just take a break. Like if there's a day where I'm like, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I don't know if I did something wrong. Like maybe I ate bad food yesterday or Maybe it's because I skipped a workout. I don't know. But like today I'm going to rest and I'll take that time to like journal and meditate and read some books and write in my notebook and make my lists. And, um, you know, just because you're having like a downturn in energy and you're resting doesn't mean you still can't be productive in some way. Yes. I mean, in my, in my case, I get sometimes really, I get into really awful states. I mean, mentally and physically, my energy gets drained and I'm, I, have a, I have a roller coaster, I mean, in terms of my productivity. Uh, and, but the thing is, I'm, what I'm trying to do is to keep the, product, the high productivity state as long as possible and as often as possible. Mm-hmm. But when I get down, it's really, like, it's really dark. I mean, I yeah. really feel it. I, I know how that is. I think a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people with ADHD and even like anxiety and depression, yeah. I mean, it's a roller coaster. And like, you can, try to find strategies and techniques and routines to like make that roller coaster a little less intense. <laughs> but like mm. a lot of us, we just have to accept the fact that we're animals and like animals go through cycles too. Like bears hibernate in the winter, snakes shed their old skin. Like we're animals. We have yeah. cycles too, and we might not understand them. In fact, I don't think exactly. we understand very much about ourselves, but being aware is, is the first step to like exactly fixing things. And I mean, these cycles really do exist. And um, I mean, in, in my case, I'm trying, I'm trying to really figure out how, how do I get out of these, you know, depressing states each and every time. And, mm-hmm. but I, I've, so I made advancements though. I know right now that I get into these cycles. I mean, I get into this, you know, down, down state when I don't feel like something is moving. You know, when, when things get paused for a while, for a week or so, and I feel like there's no advance, I'm not moving forward, this is, the, this is when I get into this, this bad cycle. But then I get down, 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 
and until I reach like the bottom and I feel it really hard and one day comes and one day comes and then I'm like, no, no, I got to change myself. I decide to change myself the next day. And again, another, another cycle of moving up, 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 up for, for a few months, weeks, days. Yeah, you kind of get that slingshot effect where you, you go down and then you kind of launch back up. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I want to figure out how I do, if there is like a, 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 a process, like a process that can be repeatable in which that is going to enable me to uh, get out of this cycle when I want to, when I feel like I want to. Like there's a process to rebound fast. So I'm thinking about I'm thinking about something. It requires willpower. So like you have to understand what willpower is. Willpower is a finite resource. It is the energy that we have in our brain that allows us to make decisions every single yes. day. And the thing about a lot of new entrepreneurs, especially, or people who are struggling to grow their business is that they don't have enough routine in their life and they spend too much of their willpower every day making minor decisions. Yes. So like when I first started my business, that's by like, a thousand every cuts. Single, like every single day I had to decide, okay, I need to work out. What muscle groups am I going to work out? When am I going to do it? what am I going to eat before I work out? When am I going to take my shower? And when am I going to start working? And what do I need to do when I start working? Which and what supplements to, to get? Which supplements to take? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the list is endless. I could keep going. And every day I would wake up and have to answer those questions and just think about how much energy that takes. Yes. Because you sit there and you have to go through all your choices, go through your options, you know, what did I work out yesterday? I did legs. Okay, I could do chest today, but I could also do back. Which one should I do and why? And it takes all of this time and energy. Yeah, and I then, know, I, I, I talked about this uh, when, I, when I asked you about the blog, about your website. I talked about it in the blog, if you, if you remember. When I, asked, when I asked about your website, so I can mention it in the blog. You didn't read it yet? No? Uh, no, you might have to refresh my memory. So when I talked about productivity, the, the blog about productivity. Oh, yeah. 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 Did you read, did you read that part? No? I, I read it, but you might have to refresh my memory. Okay. Well, never mind. Let's continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, basically all I was going to say is that you're wasting all that time and energy on making these little decisions that really are of no consequence in the end. Yes. They, they don't actually contribute or get you that closer to your biggest goals. So the biggest thing about getting out of low emotional energy states is you have to have enough willpower to do it because if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed, there's something going on in your brain, a negative feedback loop where you're having these automatic negative thoughts that are reinforcing themselves and it's, it's causing hormonal changes. You're losing dopamine, you're losing serotonin, your cortisol's going up, your epinephrine's going up and you're getting an imbalance. And in order to turn that around, you have to stop that negative thought cycle and create a positive one. And that takes a ton of mental energy. Because I'm, I'm sure you've tried this, when you're having negative thoughts, like I'm not good enough, I can't do this, I'm not being productive enough. And then you're like, wait, I have to stop. I am good enough, I can do this. And then your brain automatically goes back to negative and you have to fight it. It takes a lot of energy. And if you're wasting all your energy on these tiny decisions, you're not going to have anything left. So the biggest thing for turning around those, those low cycles and um, being able to change your emotional state at will is to have good routines. I can't overstate that. Have a routine every day so that you know exactly what you're eating for breakfast. You know exactly when you're working out. You have a workout program written down. You'll never have to ask yourself what muscle group you're doing. And you have all of your, like, let me show you this. Oh, my chair's in the way. <laughs> this, is, this is my battle board. I never have to ask myself what I'm working on in my business because it's right there. 
my daughter made those scribbles at the bottom. <laughs> that wasn't me. But like, that's what I'm talking about. You need to have a battle board or something written down on paper that shows you what you're doing for the next month so that you don't have to waste willpower on pointless on decisions. And you can save it up for the moments when you really need it, when you start to doubt yourself. So, yeah. I, I, have, I have a similar uh, board. I will, I will share it with you. It's online. You, you will love it. It's, uh, <laughs> I will share it with you. It's yeah, something, yeah, I, it's something I use to schedule my monthly tasks, my, my uh, weekly tasks, everything in detail. And it's all in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you just pick like one day and you, you do all of it. You write down your workouts for the next month. You, you decide like what you're going to eat every day. Like have the same food that you eat every day. Make sure it's healthy. Make sure you're getting all your nutrition and make sure it's food that like doesn't upset your stomach. Right. Yes. And just eat that every day. Make your life easy so that the harder things you have more energy to deal yes. with those. I think it's so important. Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing in my case I need to, 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 um, uh, take care of is, is my gut health. Oh my yeah. God. And I, it's a complicated matter for me. I don't understand. I mean, I, I know that I should spend some time on it, but I don't, I need to fix it. What, what kind of problems do you have with your gut? I mean, I know if, if it's, if there is a problem, an energy problem that I have, it's, it's coming from the gut. Why? Because I've already had a, a you know, a virus. Uh, yeah. I have, I've had a virus that is really hard to, to fix. And I still right now it's, Whenever I can't, I need to eat the same things. Otherwise, whenever I try, there is a risk again that it's gonna hurt me and it's gonna upset it. And, and do you yeah, eat dairy? No, I stopped it. I stopped That's good. It. good. Yeah. There's a lot of things like um, gluten and high fructose corn syrup can cause a lot of problems for people too. And sugar. I mean, sugars. Sugar is the devil yes, <laughs> when sugar. it comes to nutrition. Yes. It really, really is. Especially with energy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the moment you take in like pure sugar, you get this huge insulin spike. You have all of this glucose readily available and your body's like, we got to store it. And so your body starts storing all this glucose as fat. And then once it's all out of your bloodstream, like an hour later, 40 minutes later, your insulin drops way down. All of your endorphins drop down and your body just goes parasympathetic and you just want to sleep and so people who eat sugar throughout the day if they're having like all these highs and lows with energy it's because of the sugar like you, you yeah. just need to stop and eat more complex carbohydrates that are going to give you a steadier flow of energy and sugar yeah. addiction is real and it's it, hard to cut yes yes yeah. it is um so let me ask you this so you're an ADHD doer Right. We can, we can, can we agree that you are an ADH doer? Absolutely. <laughs> so tell us how an entrepreneur, an ADHD entrepreneur or ADHD professional can start right now to, to become consistent with their work, with his or her work and focus. If, there, if, if right now there is an ADHD entrepreneur watching and he feels like his life is a mess and because he starts a project he procrastinates on it he starts it again he comes back to it maybe maybe the next time he changes it how can someone become consistent what are the things that he has to set up in his life to become consistent that's a great question and i think a lot of people are going to argue about what the best answer is yes but in my personal opinion um there's a mindset shift and then there's some external shifts that I made and the mindset shift had to happen first. And this is what that looked like. When I was first diagnosed with ADHD, I went to the psychologist because I was having a lot of trouble focusing. I couldn't get my work done. I was procrastinating on everything. There was, there was a client that I had. I let one of my clients down. I missed a deadline and like it was completely preventable. And I had to apologize and fix it and make it right. And that was the line. I was like, something's wrong with me. I probably have ADHD. I need to go get diagnosed and maybe get medication to fix this. 
And so you can see in that mindset, and take this with a grain of salt, okay, because some people might not like what I'm about to say, but I was acting like a victim. And I was acting like ADHD was something that was going to control me. And whatever I did with my life, I had to make sure I was responding to the ADHD. And a year went by, I tried yes. three different medications. They, they gave me mood swings, they gave me anxiety. Um, some of them worked really well, but I would get these huge crashes at the end of the day. And the medications honestly scared me. And I got so fed up with changing psychiatrists, changing medication that I decided like, I have to start looking for alternatives. And so that was where the mindset shift happened. And I read a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. It's a fantastic book. Um, it's about being present and mindful and detaching from your ego. Yes. Well, can you, book, the Power of Now? The Power of Now by Eckhart yes. Tolle. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, because I, I daydreamed for like three seconds there when you said that. <laughs> And I was like, when I said, when I said it again, the power of now, I was afraid I was going to embarrass myself. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep you from falling asleep over there. Yeah, no, because I mean, this is, I'm in the, I'm in the week in which I'm really in, in a terrible, terrible state. It started like mm -hmm. four days ago, but, but I mean, I'm, I'm getting the momentum today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kickstarted. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, The Power of Now, really, really powerful book. And um, it basically taught me to disassociate from my ego and disassociate from my thoughts. And I realized that by trying to always hold everything I was trying up to the light of ADHD to make sure it would work, instead, I needed to hold my ADHD up to the light of my environment and my life and my mindset and figure out where the root of the ADHD was. And it turns out that my ADHD was just a manifestation of anxiety. And I, I honestly think I have more of an anxiety disorder than I do ADHD. Because when my anxiety is bad, my ADHD is bad. Yeah, I and mean, so stress, anxiety, all of those things, they just make the, the symptoms more mm -hmm. prominent. Yeah, it, they're, yeah. They're, all, they're all threads in the same tapestry. And yeah. um, my ADHD was when this. I was anxious because I, I cared too much about what other people thought. I was, I was always feeling really defensive and like I would feel attacked by comments online or things people would say. And the truth was I just needed to detach from all of the noise. Yeah. So much noise up here. Like that should be of ADHD doers, man. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Exactly getting people out of this victim's mindset that you talked yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying that people who use medication or people with ADHD or anxiety are victims. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that no. you need to take a really hard look at the things you're thinking and asking yourself, like, is this the best I can do with my situation? You know? And once you make that shift and you start to like detach from your ego and all of these preconceived notions you have about yourself, you can start to kind of change the roots a little bit. Well, I mean, most people, a lot of people, I mean, uh, live their lives passively. And what you're mm -hmm. suggesting right now is being more active in, in the decision-making uh, yes. of, of what will your life become. Mm -hmm. well, and once you do that, I mean, uh, of course, you're going to get better results. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was the mindset shift. And once I did that, I started making better routines. I started meditating more often. And a really big thing that I found for me, um, I'm really extroverted. I took a personality test. I'm like 98% extroverted. Uh, so I get energy from people. Like I need to talk to people to get energy. It must and be cool, being man. Being a self-employed entrepreneur who works at home in an office, I wasn't talking to enough people. And so just changing that raised my natural energy. How, How did you change it? I started my YouTube channel, um, even just talking to cameras and filming videos stimulates the part of my brain that thinks I'm having a conversation. And oh, it gives really? me, I started my podcast, started interviewing people, um, started reaching out to other people and even just like messaging people on Facebook and sending them little video clips and just like helping people and asking for nothing in return. That builds my brand up. It builds my confidence. It helps me find customers. And it gives me that social stimulation that I need to keep my energy level high. And that keeps yeah. my anxiety down and my ADHD down. Yeah. I mean, 
a work in progress. You're, you're lucky though that you can that you can I mean know uh, on which side of the spectrum you are in terms of uh, introvert or extrovert. I mean I'm I'm I, I'm I think I'm an ambivert because I could be either this or that, depending on my energy. I could really be either the the guy that makes a mess, talks a lot, etc., or I could be the guy that won't talk for like months. (laughs) (laughs) The like I've done all the personality tests. I've always been fascinated with them. Myers Briggs is okay. Um, the DISC test is really good for entrepreneurs, D-I-S-C, that's Tony Robbins. But the best one, if you want to understand your brain from a real scientific psychological perspective, is a, um, a personality test called Understand Myself. And it's based on the big five aspect. Um, if you just search Understand Myself personality quiz, it'll pop up. It's like 20 bucks to take it because they actually use the data in research. But that, that, that quiz will break down your volatility, your neuroticism, your extroversion, um, conscientiousness, all of it. And it's really, really yeah. So, yeah, if you're trying yeah. to understand more about your brain, that's the quiz to go with. I will do that. So, tell us. Did we answer the uh, how can someone stay consistent? Did we give like the final answer or not? Um, <laughs> no, this, this is an ADHD. This idea. is an ADHD moment. <laughs> I think my final answer was you just have to make the shift in your brain that you're in control and create routines and do things every day that give you energy. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. That's my final answer. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's the, the answer in a nutshell. So, uh how could i how could someone do basically with uh this the decisive answer about this we want so, so <laughs> what are what are sentences structure of the sentence man <laughs> so how could an ADHD entrepreneur in your opinion uh deal with lack of energy and is the overthinking uh uh you know the overthinking and and being hyper inside your brain and thinking about this and this and this idea. Is, is it something that drains the energy or not? The physical energy? Could it absolutely. potentially? Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how um, can we deal with, how can we deal with lack of energy caused by this? Yeah. Um, well, like, like I said before, the, the willpower is a finite resource. And the more time you spend running background processes and listening to that background noise, the more willpower and the more mental energy you're going to run out of. Um, So like some of the big changes that I made was I started doing more cardio. I run three miles every single day. I ran my first half marathon last month. So like setting little goals made it more exciting. Did it, did it affect your energy or overall energy? Absolutely. Running. Okay. Yeah. I've lost about 10 pounds. Um, My body composition has improved by about one and a half percent since I started. And um, I feel healthier. And like um, that, I think a lot of the times the way we feel about ourselves is not necessarily a fact. I think really? a lot of the times Why? it's just our perception, right? And if you feel lazy, if you feel out of shape, if you feel like you have ADHD, those things are going to be amplified. But if you can get yourself in a state where it's like, no, I actually feel healthy today. I feel energetic today and I feel focused and you tell yourself that it's going to change that energy a little bit. Like it's, it, it's all- it can't change your energy or just even standing in front of the mirror and, and uh, yeah. fixing up your poster. And you know, there's like this power pose or something I've read, I read about yeah. a year ago or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Feet, feet and, apart, hands on. And I do it. You just and, look at yourself in the mirror. And, yeah, and, and I sometimes I act like a like a gorilla. You know, I just <laughs> <laughs> I, and it gives me energy. What whatever works for you, man, right? And dancing in the morning before before going to the gym, putting on some good music and and just sitting in front of the mirror and dancing. This is something exactly. that that boosts my mental. But I mean, uh, when you talked about cardio, uh, uh, would would weightlifting do the same thing, or is it something that could just drain you more in your opinion well they're i mean or they're you need them both 
<laughs> this is a nuanced answer. I mean, physiologically, they are different um, in many ways. And you should try to do both for, for different health reasons. Like, for example, weight training makes you stronger, increases your bone density, and it's healthier for your ligaments. Cardio is better for your cardiovascular system, makes your heart healthier, increases your, um, your VO2 uptake. Like, there's all these technical reasons you should do both. But I have found that weightlifting makes me more tired. Um, so I do cardio when I need more energy. And on days when I just want to focus on getting stronger and focus on my health, I'll weightlift, but I'll try to do it after my work because when I lift weights, like I crash really hard. Mm -hmm. An important thing to do is always eat carbs after your workout. A lot of people okay. are just like, yeah, eat protein after you work out. That's important. But you just used all of the glycogen in your muscles. All of your blood glucose is depleted. Make sure you eat carbs after a workout so that you can replenish what you used up. You'll feel a lot better, especially if you're crashing after workouts. Yeah. And I mean, I have crashes even after eating carbs. I don't know if others have it or if, it, if it's just related with the virus problem. But I mean, when I eat carbs, it's draining for me. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it makes me tired. I want to sit down and, and just do something in which I won't have to think. Yeah. Maybe you, watch videos on YouTube or something. You might have a low tolerance to carbs. What, what's your ethnicity, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, more, um, ethnicity, I don't know. I'm Arabic. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm an Arab. so, Like North African, like Middle Eastern? No, North Africa, yes. Yeah, okay. Because Europeans and Asians have a much higher tolerance for grains and carbohydrates because we were farming, you know, for a very long time. And same thing with dairy. Um, so like someone like you, you might have a natural predisposition to crashing from carbs. So you could try something like keto, Maybe. like the keto diet and just remove carbs. Uh, yeah, it I, works really well for some people. It, 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 I think, it, I mean, I tried it for a while and, but I couldn't sustain it because all of those things that are related to food, etc., they're not my cup of tea, as I, as I said before, but I, it worked for me. And I was like, okay, when I make a lot of money to uh get a chef and get a coach i could just take care of this part of my life i would i will do the keto diet <laughs> otherwise i can't right now <laughs> yeah there's there's some really great um meal prep companies and they'll ship like frozen meals to your door and you can do keto you can do vegan you know whatever. Not in here. Not in that's here. a great not solution it's expensive though yeah but they're they're not we don't have them yet in here in oh really in the in nice in my city i i, I looked for it huh I don't have them. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> what is the uh, what are the main things that lead to uh, procrastination? Is there like a, a specific uh, way of thinking, or 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 uh, is there a specific uh, thing that leads to procrastination? Procrastination all of the time, a specific process, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that we do unconsciously and makes us procrastinate procrastination is super interesting and there's a lot of different things i could say about it but i actually just recently posted a video on my youtube channel about procrastination because there's one strategy that really worked well for me it might not work for everyone but i have found that when i procrastinate it happens because i believe that i have enough time before the deadline to mess around yeah. And so what I do to fix that is I increase my time demand. And you do that by bait. Like if you have a project due by Saturday and it's Wednesday and you're like, I can mess around. It's only Wednesday. I can mess around. It's only Thursday. And then Friday night you're scrambling. What you need to do is instead fill up your Wednesday and Thursday, fill up your Friday with events. So like schedule podcast interviews, film some videos, um, you know, set up a lunch date with your friends that's going to take up three hours. And all of a sudden, you don't have so much time. And your, your prefrontal cortex can no longer rationalize messing around because I've only got four hours to work on Wednesday and I've only got two on Thursday. I better get this thing done now. Yeah. And so that's helped a lot of my clients. It helped me just increase your time demand. If you're procrastinating, your schedule isn't busy enough for some okay, people. Okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for some others, if the schedule is busy, it's, it's too busy, they might just hate whatever they're doing. 
<laughs> yeah, if, you're, if your schedule's packed and you're still procrastinating, then there's something deeper going on there. And I would, I would recommend going back and starting with your values because if your schedule's packed and you, own, you, you know this needs to get done, but you're still not getting yourself to do it, maybe you just hate doing it. Maybe you're not doing the right job. Maybe you're not in the right career. Um, you need to look mm -hmm. at what motivates you. Look at your values and make sure that the basic things are in alignment. Because um, mm -hmm. that could be a deeper problem, I think. Yeah, you, you're right. You're right. So um, how, do you, how do you manage your time? Uh, <clears throat> how do you manage your time? Personally? How do I manage my time? Um, yeah. Pretty generously, to be completely yeah, well, well, do you like your your personal time? Do you uh, do you get do you do you program your personal time? You know what I'm gonna what you're gonna do apart from work or not? Is it scheduled like going out with your wife or um, friend, etc.? Yeah, if it involves leaving the house, it's on my Google Calendar. Um, I my Google Calendar is kind of like my go-to. I have okay. I have blue blocks that mean work and then red blocks are appointments, which means I have to leave the house. And so anytime, you know, my wife says she wants to go to the park on Wednesday, I'll be like, okay, what time? And I'll put it in and I'll give myself a half hour on each side as buffer time. And, um, you know, I do the same thing with work, but as far as like scheduling out every hour of my day, I don't do that because as someone with ADHD, I can't follow a routine that's that strict. So like yeah, my big it's, thing, it's suffocating is these lists. Yeah. Oh, so you just, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you process it? So you just put the things you got to do in your day and then follow through with what feels like could be done. Uh, this, the, uh, the fastest, et cetera, or like, is there yeah. a specific decision-making? Uh, yeah. Basically how I do it is I'll have my day on my Google calendar. And I'll be like, okay, I have a dentist. I have to take my daughter to a dentist appointment at 10 and I have a coaching call at two. And then like, I'll have some time in between and some time after. And so in the time in between, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to work between 11 and one. And I'll just, I'll turn around and I'll look at this and I'll see, okay, what's next? Because like right here, I have my, my program, my beta test I'm working on, my podcast, my YouTube channel and my advertising campaigns. And so if I have a work block set aside, I'll be like, what's the most urgent? Ad campaigns. I'll see what's crossed off, I'll see what's next, and I just do what the chalkboard tells me to do. Okay, uh, I see. Yeah. Uh, is it working out perfectly for you, or does not it have? Perfect. Yeah, it's, it's not perfect. Um, <laughs> there, are days, there are days when I'll look at the, the chalkboard and it's not immediately clear to me what's a priority. And sometimes I'll spend too much time trying to decide. And my goal right now is in those moments to catch myself and update the chalkboard. Because if it's not immediately clear to me, then I need to update it because I've mm. completed stuff and I don't know what's next. So it's, you know, I have to religiously stay on top of my Google calendar and update my lists. Um, but if I can do that, I'm usually able to transition between appointments and work relatively smoothly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, uh, do you have do you have enough time or or what? Are you looking oh, yeah. at? We're I good. thought you were. I thought you were looking at at the time or something. No, <laughs> my I have dual monitors, so like my camera's up here, but ah. my face is over here. Okay. <laughs> I should have said that at the beginning. I'm sorry if you thought I was. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so uh, because I I usually don't say how much the the interview is gonna take. Because I bring, now I know, I bring an ADHD, an ADHD doer in here and whenever I ask a question, there's like a really long answer that follows and it's great. Yeah, it makes, it, yeah, it, it makes, makes the, as long as it takes, right? Yeah, it <laughs> makes the conversation and the interview really packed and, and interesting and uh, yeah. I love when this happens. I, yeah, I think, I think long form content is, is catching on. I think people are tired of 20 second sound bites and yeah Six second limits on instagram people like this kind of content so yeah uh, especially those who are interested in i mean who have a goal in front of them and they want to reach it i mean they they're what they'll watch uh something long if, if you have to have that tolerance enough. like yes. you're not going to reach your goals if you're looking for a 60 second answer 
Yeah, <laughs> that's true too. <laughs> yeah. um, so what do you think about the uh, hustle mindset and the uh, no excuses mentality? I mean, the just, you know, you have the big goal right there and you just go in no matter what you, I mean, do you have to strategize, you know, manage your life, keep it, keep it a little bit balanced from here, you know, here and there? uh and have clarity where uh, about where you're going or uh do you think he uh, the other type of mindset of hustle and do whatever it takes until i mean don't sleep the, for the gary gary vaynerchuk don't mind. sleep yes put <laughs> five pieces of content every day and don't sleep yeah. until <laughs> I, yeah i got i got your question i understand exactly what you're asking me and despite having the hustle poster behind me <laughs> let me let me just say this the word hustle and the word grind they need to go to the word graveyard because they were murdered in 2019 and they don't mean mainstream it doesn't mean what it means to me i have that poster up there because a long time ago when i struggled i would go upstairs to distract myself i'd go get food and every time I go up the stairs, I'd have to look at that poster and ask myself, are you hustling? And the answer was always no. So that's why that's there. But as far as like the hustle grind entrepreneur mindset goes, I do not prescribe to that. I think there is a very small number of people in this world, probably like 0.3% of the population who are like Gary Vaynerchuk, who are like Tom Bilyeu, who are like Grant Cardone. And these people... Now, Tom Bilyeu is someone who, who thinks like you. Yeah, he, he's a little more relaxed, but like even he, just like, and I don't hold this against him at all. I respect Tom Bilyeu tremendously, but even he forewent having a family because his business is more important. I'm not like that at uh, all. Yes, My true. family will always come first. But the, you know, for that 0.3% of the population who they live to hustle, they live to work and make money, that's awesome. It works for them. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for most people. I think the yeah. question here is people need to understand what their values are. And to me, success is way more than numbers in a bank account. Like I do not need to make that much to live my dream life. I like, I like cars that have safety and trunk space. I don't like sports cars. <laughs> I don't like a big house because they're inefficient and I'd rather spend time with my family and you can't do that in a, a house that has 12 rooms. So like, I don't need to make that much to live my dream life. So I work like four hours a day, five, sometimes six, and I spend the rest of the day with my family. And mm -hmm. like, to me, that, that's success. And um, that's, it's a hard thing to say in the entrepreneur space, especially when you're someone like me who is technically a business coach because people are always looking for, you know, does he have the car? Does he have the house? How much money does he have in his bank account? But like the question for me, like I've gotten to the point in my career where it's like, is he happy? And that's a much harder question for a lot of people to answer, I think. Yeah. Do you, uh, have you I mean, so if someone, uh, never mind, it's, it's going to be a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> no, never mind. Uh, so let's say I'm your client, right? And I'm running ADH tour, uh, ADH tours. How would you start working with me? So what are the things I need to be doing? Uh, or you will tell me to fix, uh, right away. Once we start in order to keep crushing it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the first, the first thing I, I would do, keep, keep um, in mind, keep in mind that I, that I, I need to be create like the, the most important aspect of my work is being just creative most of the time. Uh, mm -hmm. not, not really working long hours and uh, doing yeah. tasks. So, so you value your energy, you value your ability to be like authentic and create meaningful stuff over yes. like grinding and hustling. <laughs> yes. Okay, I feel you. Yeah, well the first thing I would do with you is the same thing I do with all my clients and we would go through I have a process, a six-step process called the Coaching Conversion Blueprint. And the first two steps um, are clarity and foundations. And clarity is basically a mindset step. And I would take you through the presentation. It's kind of like therapy. We dive into your thinking. We dive into your mindset, figure out 
you know, what you value. I have you take a couple different personality quizzes. We go over your results and we make sure that what you're doing is in alignment with who you are as a person and that you're thinking about it correctly. Then foundations is the second unit and that's all about your business and your offer. So when we go through foundations, we would talk about your brand. Do you like your brand? Do you have a good name? Does it attract clients? Do you understand your niche? Do you know where to find them? Do you have proof of concept? And then we would talk about um, <clears throat> your actual offer itself. So what's your process? What's your price point? When we have those things established, we would figure out what your income producing activities are, which are the things that you do every day that actually produce income for your business. So for example, a lot of coaches think that writing two posts every day and posting you know, a really artistic Instagram photo and trying to look like an influencer is an income producing activity and it's not. Like how many sales have you made because of those posts? For some people it's like zero. Yeah. The truth is your income producing activity is messaging people and getting them to come on the phone so that you can have a consultation call. So we'd figure out what your income producing activities are and we would figure out what your KPIs are, your key performance indicators. And mm -hmm. these are the things that we would track as data to understand the growth of your company and see like how many phone calls did you get last month? How many phone calls did you get this month? If you got twice as many this month, where did they come from? What did you do differently and how can we scale that? Yes. And then once we have that information, it's all about strategy, optimization and systems. And we would be talking about funnels, advertising, which platforms you should focus on. You know, do you want to grow a podcast or a YouTube channel or a Facebook group? And that's when, that's when the strategies come into play. Most business coaches, they start right there. They start with the strategies. I don't. I start with the mindset, and then we go over your business foundations, your IPAs, your KPAs. So KPIs. is it is it is it is it all a program uh, that you that is written somewhere that you just follow, or is it something that you? Uh, I mean, I, I have I certainly have this problem. So once I, for example, if I'm creating a program, right? Uh, once it's created and it's systematized and it's a process, I just, mm -hmm. I get bored from, I would get bored from teaching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I love when it's spontaneous and, and dealing with the problem. I, I don't know. This is, this is how I feel, but uh, do you have it uh, process, like as a, do you have it like as a system that you can see? And yep. Really? That's, yeah. That's yeah. I, I have it all. I have it all mapped out. I could pull it up and screen share it if you wanted me to, but it's all written out. There's bullet points, sub bullet points, and then, you know, numbers underneath each of those. And the whole process is lined out. It's, it's literally a blueprint. I would and love if you could share it with me later. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely show it to you. Um, yeah. But everything is every single unit in the coaching conversion blueprint is divided up into lessons and the lessons are filmed PowerPoint presentations that are stored inside of a membership site. And when you join my hybrid program or you join my one-to-one -one program, you get a special account on that website and you can log in and go through each of the videos and um, yes. download all the worksheets. And if someone wants to join and, you know, talk to you and, or work with you, uh, where, where, can they, where can they find you or, you know, where can they reach you? The best place right now. Best place, the, yeah. Yeah, the best two places right now would be my YouTube channel, which is just Andrew Wolner and my Facebook page. So you can find me on Facebook, Andrew Wolner. So the account in which I'm going to tag you basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I have a business page and a personal page. Both of them are fine. Just shoot me a message and we can start talking. Um, I also have a website, andrewwolner.com, but it's going through some changes right now. So I'd recommend going to Facebook or YouTube. Awesome. Uh, well, Andrew, I'm going to ask you one more thing is once we finish this interview, please send me your address. Okay. All right. Uh, so I can send you your address and your size. Uh, so I can send you a Nidhi H. Dewar t-shirt. Uh, oh, right on. <laughs> thank you for, for coming. Uh, apart from that, I really thank you for this. I mean, it's the, the interviews are getting are getting stupidly good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I learned from them a lot. And I've taken the right decisions uh, in terms of bring, of the people who that I brought in this uh, in these interviews. So thank you for coming, man. Really, yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I've been watching a few of them, and uh, you're doing a good job here. I'm excited to to be a part of this group and 
see how it keeps growing. So excellent. I need to improve my English first a little bit. Oh, your English I, is great. No, English but sometimes I say some sentences, man. They're weird as fuck. <laughs> I, when I'm watching back, I'm like, okay, so where is where was this sentence supposed to start? I mean, I just <laughs> I just say the end in the beginning and gets uh, mixed up. Gets which which accent do you struggle with the most? Like, have you talked to any people from New Zealand yet? Um, Australia. I talk to everyone. I don't struggle with anyone. Really? I mean, yeah, to understand, right? Because I understand you better than I understand some people from New Zealand. <laughs> really? I don't know. I, I, I think I understand everyone. Maybe, maybe there are some, uh, some countries that are not understandable that I want. Uh, because I, I think I remember uh, an accent that I didn't, uh, that I didn't understand a while back. When I was in Malta, yes. <laughs> when I was in Malta, they had a weird accent. And apart from that, the, I could struggle a little bit about, with the Indian accent because I've had friends uh, with me in, in, uh, in the university who were Indian. And I was like, what, what? I, I used to, I, <laughs> like I said, what a lot of times, so many times. <laughs> so yeah, these are the two accents I struggled with. So man, this drifted a lot. Thank you for <laughs> totally out of topic. Thank you for coming, man. Yeah, it was my pleasure. You take care of yourself. Don't forget to send me. And uh, yeah, let's uh, talk, talk, talk. All right. <laughs> take care, man.